0: All right, good morning, church family. Can I just, can everybody give me a wave today? I just, that would make, thank you so much. You guys are awesome. I'm so glad to be in the house of the Lord with you this morning. If you are a first-time guest with us, like if it's your very first time here, thank you for joining us. Like, you're amazing. You're an amazing human being, and we would love to know who you are. So if you are a first-time guest, there's a first-time guest card. It should be right there in the back of the pew that you're sitting behind you should be able to just grab that or there's a little QR code you can scan and fill out a guest form for us we just want to know who you are so that we can be praying for you praying with you that kind of stuff and get to know who you are and if you're joining us via live stream today thank you so much for joining us there give us a shout out let us know that you're here thank you for being with us we believe that God can be just as present at home with you as he can right here but you can't be with the body if you're at home So we'd love to have you actually come be here with the body of Christ. So if you haven't joined us yet in person, I want to encourage you to do so. All right, I got three announcements for you real quick. If you are currently signed up to be in a small group, raise your hand. I'm calling you out, calling you out. All right, with your hand still raised in the air, look to your left. If that person doesn't have their hand raised, you should be like, hey, do a small group with me. And then look to your right, and if that person's hand's not raised, you should be like, hey, do a small group with me. Small groups are so important. Here's why. The Bible teaches us that we're the body of Christ and that we're supposed to be there to bear one another's burdens, to encourage one another, to lift each other up. One of the best ways you can do that is through small groups, to be a part of that community. So sign up for small groups. You can do that out at the lobby, uh, welcome center, or you can do it online. Either way, once, once a class or once a small group's filled up, you're, there's no more room. So you want to make sure you get in quick on the ones that you want to be a part of. We're going to be doing a coat drive uh, in partnership with the Mercy Mission in Sydney uh, starting next Sunday. Here's what we need. We need new coats. They, they're very specific. They only want to give new coats out, so, like, the tag needs to be on that puppy. Not one of those deals where you, like, bought it, wore it twice, and you're like, I don't like the fit. We need new coats. So if you would, and you'd be a part of this, it's going to a great cause. We're going to make sure people that need coats are going to have them. And uh, that'll be awesome. You can drop them off in the lobby all the way up through April 2nd. And then finally, if you're here and you're married, raise your hand. All right, just do yourself a favor. Lean over, kiss your spouse. And then whisper into their ear, we're going to the marriage event. Because it's called Love Your Marriage. And if you just kissed your spouse in church, it's because you love your spouse and you love your marriage. And here's the deal. If you're not married yet, but you love the idea of getting married, it might help you too. I don't know. You should just sign up for the marriage event. It's going to be great. It's happening here one night, February 24th. And if you're interested, uh, you can find more information out at the lobby. And it is a free event because we love investing in marriages. All right, we're going to get into worship this morning. Would you guys stand up with me? As we get ready to enter into worship, I know some of you want to lean back over and kiss your spouse again. Go ahead. I'll give you a second to do that if you want to. There are children in the room, all right, so just keep it PG. You weren't expecting to kiss your spouse in church today, were you? I know. I know. You're welcome. I want everyone here to know that you've entered into a house of hope this morning. We've entered into a house of hope. I don't care what situation you're coming from, there's hope in the house of the Lord. Because we serve a faithful God. We serve a healing God. His name is Jesus Christ. And we're going to magnify his name. Because when we lift his name high, his glory just falls. And his glory is heavy. I mean, there's a realness to it. And it doesn't matter how heavy life has been, when the glory of Jesus comes and rests on us, it breaks all that other stuff off. And we're able to just walk a little bit taller, have a little bit more joy, have a little bit more hope. And so I think today is going to be a glorious day. I think it's going to be a glorious day. Let's pray as we enter into worship. Heavenly Father, we just are here to just magnify you. We just want to glorify you. We just come and we want to be thankful for what you do because we can't earn or deserve what you do for us. But you're such a good God. And so we come today with hope with expectation that Father you are moving, that you do care that you are here for us and Father, we want to be open to everything that you have for us today but first, we want to magnify and lift your name high. so Father, receive our praise, receive our worship this morning in Jesus name I amen, was
1: amen. My shame. Who could carry be that? Kind It was my too till I met you, I was breathing but not tomorrow
2: grace is it's waiting for you let's dance like the weight has been lifted because grace is it's waiting
1: where the spirit of the lord is there is freedom there is freedom where the spirit of the lord is there is freedom there is freedom come out of the dark just as you are to the fullness of... to communion, come back to the sun,
2: let's run into wide open spaces, cause grace is, it's waiting for you, and let's dance like the weight has been lifted, cause grace is, it's
1: waiting, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, there is there is freedom there is freedom come out of the dark just as you are into the fullness of his love for the spirit is here let
2: shake at the sound of jesus name Lies made whole hearts awake at the sound come on let's sing this name. out this morning that chains will fall and the prison shake come on, at, it's the just sound at the sound of, his of jesus name, name. oh yes lies made whole and our hearts awake at the sound of jesus name and chains will fall, prisons shake at the sound of Jesus'
1: name. Lives made whole, hearts awake at the sound of Jesus' name. And chains will fall, prisons shake at the sound of Jesus' name. Yeah. Oh, man.
2: is it's waiting for you let's dance like the weight has been lifted cause grace is it's waiting dance like the weight has been lifted cause grace
1: is waiting oh dance like the weight has been lifted All over this place this morning, let's lift our hands in worship as a sign of surrender. Why do we lift our hands? Why? We're saying we surrender all. I surrender my life to you. I surrender it all to you this morning. Not my agenda, not my thoughts, not my ways, God, but your ways are higher than mine. Your thoughts are higher than mine. But I surrender everything I am to you this morning. I surrender it all, Lord. Spirit's out, rushing wind, fire of God, fall within. Holy Ghost, breathe on us, we pray. As we repent and turn from sin, revival and smoldering Breath of God, fan us into flame. Cause we need a fresh wind the fragrance of heaven pour your spirit out pour your spirit out oh, oh. church bear your light lamp of flame city bright king and kingdom come is what we pray because we need a fresh wind the fragrance of heaven pour your spirit out Heaven, pour your spirit out, oh, pour, out. pour your spirit out, the holy anointing, the power. The power. Spirit out, pour your spirit out. 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 Come on, church in unity, let's cry. Pour your spirit out. Pour your spirit out. out pour your spirit out.
3: through these doors with expectancy expectancy the faith will arise in you arrive with expectancy because you talk and talk and talk about what's coming oh my my daughters my sons it's already here I'm here it's already here you need to walk through the doors with expectancy you need to walk out we're we're already receiving Come in, come in, come in, come in, come in to my place, to my sanctuary with expectancy because I'm already here and the change has already come. So come in, come in, receive it, receive it with expectancy.
1: stories that have proved your faithfulness I've seen miracles my mind can't comprehend there is beauty in what I can't understand Jesus it's you Jesus it's you And I believe the wonder working God, You're the wonder working God, all the miracles I see, too good
2: to not believe. You're the wonder working God,
1: and you heal because you love. All the miracles I see, too good to not believe. Can resurrect a man with my own hands, but just the mention of Your name can raise the dead. So all the glory to the only One who can. Jesus is the only. Jesus is the too good to not believe you're the wonder-working God you're the wonder-working God all the miracles I've seen too good to not believe you're the one to working God and you heal because of love all the miracles I've seen too good to not believe did not believe, oh, you're so good, you're so good, Jesus. I've seen cancer disappear, I've seen metal plates dissolve, Don't you tell me He can't do it. Don't you tell me He can't do it. I've seen real life resurrection. I've seen mental health restored. Don't you tell me He can't do it. Don't you tell me He can't do it. I've seen families reunited. I've seen prodigals return. Don't you tell me He can't do it don't you tell me he can't do it I've seen troubled souls are littered. I've seen addicts finally free don't you tell me he can't do it don't you tell me he can't do it I've seen cancer disappear I've seen metal plates dissolve don't you tell me he can't do it don't you tell I've seen real life resurrection. I've seen mental health restored. Don't you tell me he can't do it. Don't you tell me he can't do it. I've seen families reunited. I've seen prodigals come home. Don't you tell me? Don't you tell me? You're the wonder-working God, and you heal because you love all the miracles I've seen. Too good to not believe, too good to not believe, too good to not believe. Oh, you're so good, too good to not believe, too good to not believe too good to not believe. Yeah. I've seen cancer disappear. Yeah. I've seen metal plates on. Don't you tell me God can't do it. Don't you tell me He can't do it. I've seen real life resurrection. I've seen mental health restored. Don't you tell me He can't do it. Don't you tell Come on, I've seen families. I've, I've seen families reunited. I've seen prodigals return. Don't you tell me He can't do it. Don't you, Don't tell, you me. tell me. He can't I've, do seen it. I've seen trouble Don't you tell me he can't do it. I seen cancer disappear. I seen mental places all. Don't you tell me he can't do it. Don't you tell me he can't do it. I seen real life resurrection. I seen mental health. Oh, I seen it. Don't you tell me he can't do it. world
0: In the book of Acts, we discover that the early church was devoted to four things, one of which was praying together. And so we're going to take some time to pray together right now. I'm going to lead us in a prayer, and I want to encourage you that as I pray, if I say something that you agree with, just give a big old amen, big old hearty amen. If I say something that makes you think of somebody, start praying for them. But here's what I'm praying for today. We're going to pray for everybody in our congregation that's of retirement age. I heard another person say this, and I love it. You might retire from your work, but you don't retire from Jesus. You re-fire. You re-fire. I love that. And so we're going to pray for our re-fired people in the church today. Amen. Heavenly Father, we lift up to you everyone in this house today and those watching via live stream who are retirement age, Father. God, we thank you that their work isn't done here. Father, that you have more in store for them. But, Father, I thank you most for the legacy of faith. What a a testimony to be able to say that I've been following Jesus for that long. The miracles that they've seen, the testimonies that they have, Father, God, that the church needs to hear. We need to know of your faithfulness. Father, I thank you that there's still dreams and visions inside of them. Father, I thank you that there's still leadership inside of them. Father, that they have more to contribute to the body of Christ. Father I thank you that they enter into a season Of rest from work But God they enter into a season Of working with you to rescue people That their soul Focus God can be your Work and loving people well In your church reaching The lost so Father we pray for Ideas God we pray that You would give them dreams Father for Those that had dreams ministry passions That you put in their heart Father that, that Time just got away from them Father I thank you that you can redeem the time Father, that we're never too old, God, to do the work that you've placed inside of us. So, Father, reignite those passions. Father, I pray that doors would open for them that no man can shut, Father. I pray that windows in heaven would be open to them, Father. God, I pray that they would sense your presence more now than they have in years past, Father. That they would see you more clearly than they ever have, Father. That you'd open your word up to them, Father, a new revelation, Father, like they've never had before, God. God, I pray for those, those... Refired individuals, Father, who are working so hard to raise their grandchildren. God, we pray that you'd give them grace and mercy. Give them strength, Father. God, help them to understand what's going on in the culture of their grandchildren, Father. We thank you that they're available, Father, when their parents aren't there for them, that their grandparents can be, Father. And We lift them up to you. We know that it's hard work, but God, we know that you've equipped them, Father, that you've given them everything that they need to do the work well. Father, we join our faith with those, God, who are struggling with children who have walked away from you. God, we join our faith with them that, Father, this would be the year of salvation. Father, that the prodigals would return. God, we thank you for their faithfulness to continue to pray for them. God, and we thank you that we're going to see those testimonies come into the church, Father. God, I just pray that you would bless every one of our members here today that's of retirement God, I pray that you would make your face shine upon them, that you would be gracious to them, Father, that you'd bring healing to their bodies, that you'd bring healing to their bodies, Father. We don't have to settle for pain. No, we don't have to settle for pain. So, Father, we pray for healing for their bodies, Father, that they would be strong all the days of their life, and sound in body and in mind, Father. God, just show your glory. Show your glory in our our refired individuals in this church, God. God, and wherever there's need for reconciliation in families, Father, we pray for it. We pray for it, Father. Give them the words, Father. Show them by your spirit what they can do to bring healing to those broken families, Father. And we thank you for all of these things. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Amen. Well, church, we're going to get ready to take up tithe and offerings, so you can grab a seat and get your tithe and offering prepared. I got Mike up here with me. I'm impressed that he didn't, you know, amen anything I said. He stayed quiet. You want to say hi to the people? Not today. Not today. <laughs> Anyways, well, church, here's what I want to encourage you with, with tithes and offering. Tithes, to me, is one of the most incredible things that we have the opportunity to do, and here's why. What kind of crazy people give away 10% of what they make? I mean, seriously, I mean, I, you know. I work hard for my money. I'm sure you work hard for it. And then I come to church and I just give 10% of it away. (laughs) Here's what I think. I think a lost world looks at that and says, they're a bunch of crazy people. I am a little crazy because I just really believe that God's my provider, right? I think that our tithe is a witness to a lost world that we actually truly believe that God is our source. I also think this about the tithe. The scripture, I'm sorry, my hands get tied scriptures tell us that we're to be generous on every occasion so if you think about it tithing is the baby step we're supposed to be way more generous than just tithing we're supposed to be available at any moment according to the grace god has given to each one of us to meet needs as we have the ability to meet those needs right for the individual for the homeless person for the person we drive past on the interstate that's asking for money Right? We're supposed to be generous on every occasion. The tithe is the practice of saying, God's going to be in charge of me, not my money. Like when Jesus said, you can't serve God and mammon. You can't serve God and money. Well, tithing is one way that you say, I'm serving God. Doesn't matter how much money I got, God is in charge. I'm just his steward. I'm the banker of the heavenly resources that God has given me, right? So tithe is that baby step into that faith walk of just saying, I can be generous on every occasion because God will give back to me. God's got me and he'll meet my needs. Amen? So I want to encourage you today, if, you, if you've if you never tithed, like if that's something you've just been hesitant to, to participate in, I want to encourage you today to take that first baby step of faith and just dare to believe that just like God will save your soul, he will provide what you need financially. He's a good God. Jesus said that the birds are taken care of. They don't have to worry about it. You don't have to worry worth more than many birds to God, and I think that's super encouraging. So let's step out in faith and trust God as we give our tithe and offering this morning. I'm going to pray over it, and then you guys can bring it down and place it in the buckets. Father, we thank you again for your goodness, your generosity to us. You're such a generous God, and we're so thankful for everything that you do for us, and in our gratitude, we want to honor you, Father, with our tithes. We want to honor you with being good stewards of what you give to us, and we're going to be good stewards by first giving back to you giving back to you. You don't need our money, but you want our hearts. So, Father, bless everyone who gives tonight in accordance with your word. And, Father, those who have struggled to trust you financially, I pray that today they would take a step of faith and see how faithful you'll be. We pray for these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: over.
4: to call them popcorn testimonies in other words you don't take the whole service you just tell what happened to you praise god who's got a testimony today i know god's been doing what you got ron come up here Phyllis. you got a microphone And the VA paid every last
5: bit of
4: that. Well, praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God.
1: Oh no man nothing.
4: That's That's right. (laughs) Praise God. Somebody somebody give me a testimony of prodigal son. Anybody got a prodigal son's come home?
3: Uh, Well, Friday, I went to work, and it was all nothing but ice. I rambunctious, jumped out of the truck, feet went right out from underneath me. I fell down, and I hit right here the back of my, in my neck, on the running board, and I thought, oh, my Lord. Did I break my neck? Lord, and I turned my head, I got up, I said, no, I'm I'm fine, but I give God all the honor, the glory, and the praise, because he always is faithful, and he has always looked out for me, praise his holy, holy name,
4: hallelujah,
3: amen, praise God, that's
1: a good testimony,
4: Must be a girl moment. All right, uh, right back here, Phyllis. Where? Oh, Sarah, didn't you have something?
6: Okay. Um, we saved twenty five hundred dollars on our airline tickets to Arizona. They, I kid you not, twenty five hundred dollars. We were praying for a miracle, for a direct flight. Wow, five hundred. Wow. Twenty five hundred.
4: Hallelujah. We
6: need
4: to go now you Spend want to go shopping. 45, 45. Yeah, <laughs> fellas. Get away from them people.
3: You've got to aggravate Frank.
4: Hallelujah. Who That's else got a financial testimony? Got Somebody's got else, one. Well, she's
6: got a testimony. That's um, okay. Early this week, um, I worked with a girl who is an acquaintance of someone. I'm trying to figure out how to say this quickly. Um, she has three sons, the youngest. Um, Had attempted suicide three times. Um, Monday was the third time. Um, The ambulance took him to a hospital in the same town that I work. And I asked um, this girl that I work with, I said, well, his mother let me come. Like, I could not just not. I said, well, his mother let me come and talk to him. And she let me. God opened that door. So I took an early lunch. I went to the hospital, the emergency room. I shared Jesus with him. He gave his life to Jesus. And, and the beautiful thing is, is um, <coughs> there's a church in their hometown, and God's really um, just blowing the doors off this church. And this pastor, who is also an acquaintance with the girl that I work with, went and just solidified everything God did. And so now there's a connection between this pastor the church and this family. And so God just, I mean, I don't know. I mean, God opened the door for me to be able to get into that hospital, but it was just amazing. Well, praise Amen. God. That is a great testimony.
4: Hallelujah. Somebody else. As you know, Karen had
5: a uh, surgery on her foot, and uh, the hospital bill is of course, enormous, but we received a letter uh, day before yesterday that said we are eligible for a huge discount In our
4: prayer Wow, praise. That is
1: wonderful.
4: Wonderful. Hallelujah. Well, what? Phyllis, Phyllis. Right over here. (laughs) If he starts whispering in your ear, I'm coming (laughs) down there. All right.
5: Well, about a week or so ago, I found myself in crisis. Um, I didn't know what to do or where to turn and I prayed tearfully to God not only asking for forgiveness but singing his praises but in the end I asked him to put someone in my path to let me know I was going to be okay the very next day I wasn't much better but I walked up to a total stranger and I asked him if he believed in God and he smiled and said of course I do and then he pulled a bible out of his coat And he had scriptures already marked and read them to me, and it washed over me. And to this day, though struggles may be ahead, I know I'm going to be okay.
4: Amen. Wow. Praise God. Hallelujah.
3: I love good testimonies.
4: Praise the Lord. I do too. Hallelujah.
3: lifts up your faith because if they'll do it for them, God
0: will do it for us.
4: So two weeks ago Wednesday, myself
0: and Victor were at this roadside and we were retrieving some wood. And of course, I did a dumb thing. I dropped a 200-pound log on my hand.
5: It (coughs) immediately—forgive me. It immediately swelled up.
0: And it was about just the size, of like half a golf ball, cutting, you know, sitting on top of my hand. It looked like it was going to explode. It was purple and red. I
5: took off my glove and I looked at Victor and I said, Victor, watch this. We're going to work this miracle. And I
0: said, in the name of Jesus, swelling go down and be healed. And I said, no pain, no damage of any kind. And I put my glove on and we finished our work and we went home. And when I took my glove off at the house, it was gone.
4: Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Okay, Phil, what's going on? You work your way back up here.
3: Well, we got one more.
5: Um, I had, this is about babies, and I'm a grandma, so I'll probably act stupid right now, but uh, a couple of months ago, my daughter, uh, she had a baby, and let's see, the umbilical cord, she only had two vessels instead of three, so the doctor was kind of watching her. And she went to the doctor on Tuesday, and she went on Wednesday, and I think he was a little peeved at her because he's like, you're fine. She happened to have an ultrasound on Friday. The baby's cord was running out of juice. The baby's cord was dropping, but he was delivered, right, that emergency C-section. And then, and he's gorgeous. And that was God's grace. He just happened to have an ultrasound that day when he, and then I just had another grandbaby last week, and kind of in that vein, I mean, the doctor was watching her, like, something's not right with you. <laughs> and and uh, so an, I had another daughter have a baby by emergency C-section last week, and she's beautiful. He's so good.
4: He's God so, so good. good. Yes, he babies. is. Yes, he is. Babies, babies, babies.
1: We got another one. Is that okay?
4: Sure. What well, you s- expect me to say? <laughs>
3: hi my name is Tammy I'm new here but last week I was I foster animals and one of my own animals that I don't foster was really sick and I couldn't afford the bill because of my own medical bills so my husband and I prayed and this group that only does fostering that I work for paid the $185 for my cat to get medicine, the right food, and now he's not sick. He's only four years old. I've been taking care of him since his mother passed when he was born. And that to me is a testimony because it was less than 10 hours. And I asked for help, and God answered.
1: Yes, He will.
4: Thank God he will, Hallelujah. He will. Hallelujah. I got a testimony. Phyllis is finally headed back where she belongs. <laughs> <clears throat> Hallelujah. Praise God, God is a good God. All the time, the devil don't have a chance. Hallelujah. Well, let's turn our Bibles to Ecclesiastes 4:12 we are talking about a three-cord woven together, how it's not easily broken. Ecclesiastes 4.12, And if one prevail against him, two shall withstand him. And a three-woven cord is not easily or quickly broken. Now, we took this, and we have unveiled it and then rewoven it together to talk about the three essentials of Christian faith and Christian life. These are three elements that work together that are to be woven into our lives. And they are, number one, prayer. Number two, fasting. And number three, the word. And these all complement, and depend upon each other. Now, we as believers have the right and the responsibility. You know, nobody is a security to your salvation except your connection with Jesus. And when it says your connection, that means I can't work you to heaven. I can't keep you saved. I can't keep you right, I can't keep you faithful, I can't do much except preach the word. What you do with it determines where you end up in eternity. You know, people blame everything and everybody for something. But our salvation is that we are to work it out. It is a personal molding, a personal examination a personal extraction of things, and a personal addition of things, we work it out with fear and trembling. And so we work it out to obtain an eternal life. Now, if any time your salvation becomes unvaluable, unimportant to you, you will find it turning cold and you backsliding. Now, that's nobody's fault but mine. Right. No. It's nobody's fault but yours and in my life mine. And so we have to, as believers, take responsibility. Amen. If you go to hell, you go because you neglected to do what it takes you to get out of it. And if you choose to go to heaven, nobody can get there, get you there except you. Choosing what needs to happen in your life. So that when these three cords, these three principles that are woven into our life as lifestyles, what they do is they bind us to the reality of Christ and to the activity, action, responsibility, participation in the kingdom of God. And so we have to do these things ourselves. If, you, if nobody can pray for you, you need to pray for yourself. Amen? All right. So whenever or without these three things being in our lives every day, these are necessities, just like breathing is a necessity, moving is a necessity, eating Is a necessity. When these things are in our life, if they don't drift away, we will grow. But if they do drift away, one day we will fade in to the past memories of other Christians. Unbelievers do not have the means or the ability to stay connected to God without Christ you have an advantage over unbelievers. But every unbeliever needs to hear about the gospel of Christ. Amen? All right. So when we interweave these things into our life, it will help us believe and keep Christ open to our life and us open to him. So, let's pray a prayer that I think that everybody needs to pray. It's found in Ephesians, the first chapter, and verse 17 or 18. And it's something that Paul prayed for other people. Now, remember what prayer does. Prayer does something that the Word of God won't. The prayer that Paul prayed for the church apprehends grace, it apprehends God's ability for something to happen in our lives that preaching evidently wouldn't do. And so, Paul prays this prayer, and it says, I pray that the, in verse 17, I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God. Of him, The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance is in you, a saint. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his mighty power? which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places, far above all principalities and powers and might and dominion and every name that is named, (coughs) not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And he hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head of all things to the church which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Now, we want the eyes of our understanding opened so that we don't just look at the Bible as a surface book. It's not just a catalog of promises. It is God himself. And as we fellowship, give ourselves to the Scriptures, spend time with the Bible, we are spending time with God himself. So I want to talk to you today, maybe next week also, about fasting. Oh my word, you mean doing what? I'm not talking about intermediate fasting for you to lose weight. I'm talking about you sustaining, abstaining from food, sometimes water, and pleasures for spiritual purposes. This is a voluntary withdrawal from the affairs of life that minister to this tabernacle so that we can become stronger, more rooted, and more fortified in the things of the kingdom of God. Now, it tells us in 1 Corinthians 7, 1 down through 3, that we as Christians are not to defraud our spouses. In other words, nobody should lie about having a headache when it's time to go to bed again. Nobody should defraud their spouse of sexual fulfillment unless it is for the cause of fasting. Least the devil would get an advantage over your spouse. You don't want to do that. In other words, you are a primary protector of your spouse and what controls him or her, even in their thought life. The second thing we discover is that in Esther... Esther is called by Mordecai and says, Esther, the whole Jewish nation is going to be annihilated. There is a man named Haman that has come up with a plan. Of course, we know Haman represents the devil, but he comes up with a plan, and he really deceives and twists the king, and the king makes a decree that every Jew is going to be annihilated. Well... Haman did not know that God had snuck a little slave girl in called Esther. Mordecai calls to Esther and says, Esther, this is what's going to happen to your nation. If you don't do something, raise your voice, then the nation of Israel is going to die. So Esther turns and she proclaims a fast. And she says this, don't let anyone in Israel eat or drink for three days. Now, that is the longest time that anybody in the Bible goes without drinking water, is three days. And so, we don't want to jeopardize our health. We want to stay within the confines of what God calls normal. Amen? And so, we have that we need to abstain from pleasure, and in that pleasure, that includes hunting, fishing, golfing, all that kind of stuff. If you're going to set it apart to do something spiritual, then don't try to water it down by staying involved in doing what you want. Amen. Make it a value. Make it have an impact on your life. So fasting means that we separate ourselves from these things so that we can spend time, intimate time, with God. Now, when we talk about fasting, fasting is unless it is proclaimed by a leader like Esther or maybe like uh, Jehoshaphat, whatever it is, or a king that would proclaim a fast for a nation, every fast is to be voluntary. In other words, it must come from your heart. Now, when it comes from your heart, you have the right to monitor, to guide, to set boundaries to your faith. Like there are people that uh, are fighting health issues, and what you don't want to do is if it says, don't take medication without food or something on your stomach, doesn't mean you put 15 pounds of french fries in that stomach. It means you put enough to accommodate your need not to be sick from the medication. Amen? And if you're going to do it, you could do it from 8 in the morning till 3 o'clock at night, which is a typical Jewish fast so you could go from three o'clock in the afternoon clear around to three o'clock the next day and you could declare I'm not going to eat anything but I'm going to drink water and I'm going to drink coffee that's your boundaries I'm not to judge you by the boundaries that you're setting you're working out your own personal salvation amen amen So, there are things that you have to determine. Do I have the diligence to do this, or do I not have the diligence? Maybe I can skip breakfast and just have a half a sandwich for lunch. And then, as soon as I'm done for lunch, I can have the other half for a snack. That was a joke. Anyway, so, maybe you'll just eat one meal a day. Whatever it is, don't condemn your. Set it up within the boundaries that are practical for you, your diligence, and your persistence to finish things. Amen? Well, what happens if I don't finish the fast? There's a thing called repentance. And you repent, you turn from it, and you try it again. You try it again and again. The Bible says that we as Christians are supposed to forgive our brothers if they sin against us. Every we are supposed to forgive them seven times 70. That's every two and a half minutes of a 16-hour day. That means you are filled with the potential to do iniquity. That means that you have the potential to sin against man and against God every two and a half minutes. The only way to escape it is go to sleep. Now, you think that, oh man, that's just astronomical. No, that's the boundless grace of God. We don't do it on purpose, but when we find ourselves falling short, we also don't let our shortcomings stop us from our desire to achieve with God. Amen? All right, so God knows that you're going to make mistakes, and he provided repentance for every believer. And so if you make a mistake, don't just throw up your hand and say, well, I just can't do it. No, you pick yourself up, and you do it again. Instead of going for four hours, you go for three. Whatever you have to do to start, and as you get started, you will see that God will do something on your life, amen? So, we want to make sure that we follow guidelines of wisdom, guidelines of counsel, because Phyllis and I are aware of people that have died on a fast. That is not a reason for you not to fast. They did it. Totally out of the boundaries of Scripture. But people do do those things. So, you know, we uh, many things about God gets a bad name just because somebody was foolish. Amen? Now, the Word of God is filled with different ways to use our faith. Different ways to use our faith. If you wanted to move a mountain... You wouldn't sow a financial seed. What would you do? Jesus said you would say to the mountain. Now, that's how you move mountains. You speak to them. You believe that what you say came to pass, and it will come to pass. And then when it comes to the area of, well, you know, I want an increase in finance. Or I need a financial breakthrough, or uh, whatever it might be. That's where the Bible says, 2 Corinthians 9:10, that you take the seed that God puts into your hand and you sow that seed. And then God multiplies that seed so that you, having all sufficiency to all things, will be able to abound unto the work of God. See, there is a way to increase your finances. You don't have to have a better job. You don't have to beg for a raise. You don't have to sell things. What you need to do is be a sower. Listen, limitation and poverty are not a part of God's plan for your life. But if you don't do what the Bible says, then you realize that God's plan will never come to pass. Now I've said this a thousand times, maybe a million times. If you don't sow, it will not be multiplied. Start sowing seeds if you want to be beyond where you are today. If you don't, if you're happy where you are, where you are, then don't sow the seed. Eat it. I have a little book that I wrote, "Don't eat your leaves." And you need to get that, and it will teach you about the principles of giving and receiving. Now, if you want more finances, want a greater harvest, you want want your cows to start having twins, you want your chickens to start laying three eggs instead of one egg a day. Now, see, I preach this in third world countries because they don't need a Cadillac. They don't need a three-piece suit. They need their goats to get busy and start having babies. That's what they need. But if you will start doing it, you will see God bring increase. You know, we have a goat farm in a, uh, that we're a part of in Kenya. It has become the goat farm example of Kenya. They send people out from the university to look at the goat farm. We started it as a seed, but now the goats are producing, and now we're taking these goat herds, giving them a male and a female, telling them, don't eat it for supper, and they're beginning to create their own goat herds so that they can begin to prosper in their nation. And there have been times where we've had crusades and we've started 100 new businesses in the area. See, you start seeding people, they will start multiplying. So, we see that there are different ways of using our faith. We could use our faith through a confession of faith. By his stripes, I've been healed. First Peter 2.24. If you're sick, no matter how long you've been sick, No matter how long you've been on medication, you can still take the Word of God, put it in your mouth, and you can begin to say, by His stripes I have been healed. You can say Psalm 10720, God sent His Word, I put it in my mouth, and it brings healing to my body and deliverance to all of my problems. Now, you can do that no matter how long you've been sick. Amen? There is not a time where you start it, you don't start it. You start it right where you're at. No matter what the report is and no matter what your body's saying, start saying what God said. That's one way. Another way is if you're sick, call for the elders of the church. This is one act of faith. Is that they anoint you with oil. The prayer of faith shall save the sick. And the Lord himself shall descend from heaven. And he will raise you up. And if you've committed any sins, he will forgive them. Now, so we see that there are different ways of using your faith. Well, you wouldn't use one way. You wouldn't lay hands on your cornfield. You might speak to your cornfield. But you wouldn't go out and lay hands on every ear and ask God to increase it. But you could speak to it and release increase. Amen? But then when it comes to fasting, this is a predesigned act of faith that does certain things. Now, You can't really use fasting in a sense that we would say for increase. You might say, well, why not? Because you've been given seed. And that's the way of the kingdom. Could have given an amen. Amen. Good. Hallelujah. So, we're going to look at Isaiah, the 58th chapter. I remember when... uh, 25 years ago when God called me to uh, step into the miraculous. I used to, when I first got saved, I fasted every other day. And that's when Phyllis and I were first married and she couldn't cook. It wasn't any real stretch of faith to do so. And, uh, but I, uh, I fasted every other day. And, uh, but, I got away from that, and then later, God spoke to me, and I began to study the life of Jesus about fasting. And I would see miracles every once in a while and so forth, but really, to see 100% miracles, I never saw that. And so I started fasting and praying. For 18 months, many of you remember, when I went on that journey to discover God and in a way I had never known him before and for 18 months, I joined my prayer partner at that time, Calvin Schneider. Calvin would meet me every morning, 5.30, and we would pray And uh, we would go up to like uh, 7.30, 8 o'clock. Then he would leave for work, and I would continue to 11 o'clock. Then when I came out of my office, I had a 9 by 12 little room that I walked and prayed in. I would come out of that room, spend an hour or so with my staff. Then I would go home. Say, well, you go home so early? Yeah, you get up 5 o'clock in the morning. And have to fix your own coffee and all that kind of stuff. And then come in, it's, it's tiring, praise God. And uh, anyway, I did that for 18 months. I didn't know how long I was going to have to do it because success is what I was after. And success is not what I had. And I did that, I lost about 45 pounds. Phyllis told me I look like an Ethiopian, whatever that means. And uh, anyway, my pants were falling off and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I didn't have a six-pack. I just had a rib pack. And anyway, after these 18 months, I turned to walk out of my office, and Jesus came walking through the wall. He came through my bookshelves. And he came and he said, I'm here to position you in the realm of miracles. Now, you might say, well, you know, God doesn't do that. God, well, this is not your story. And you haven't seen almost 5 million people come to Jesus Christ. You haven't seen three people verified, raised from the dead. You haven't seen untold demons come out of people. We've had so many blind eyes, you couldn't count them on everybody's toes in here. Cripples, disease, tumors as big as uh, basketballs. I I can't even tell you everything that I've seen. But Eric used to travel with a great man of God, worked with, uh, you know, Benny Hinn and so forth. He one day told me, he said, I've never seen so many miracles in my life. He said, I'm telling you, wherever we go, they happen. And they do. Absolutely, they happen. And, uh, but Jesus came through that wall, and he said to me, I'm setting you into the realm of the miraculous. See, there are certain realms of the kingdom of God that are protected by principalities, powers, spiritual rulers, and people and spirits that have dominion over certain areas that comes into play in matthew mark the 10th chapter where it says that jesus said you can have a hundredfold in this world and in the world to come but realize you'll never get it without persecutions because there are spirits that protect or govern the activity of people's faith in the area of prosperity See, the church needs money. But if the world controls it, it'll control much of what the church can do. Amen? People say, well, the gospel is free. You're absolutely right. But the car you drive in and the airplane you take takes gas. And you gotta pay for the gas. Amen? And so, these Spiritual powers in the area of finances will persecute you. They'll wear you out. They'll wear you down. They'll cause needs to come up where there weren't any needs. And do all kinds of stuff to wear you down so that you will relinquish your pursuit of the hundredfold. Now, Jesus didn't lie, but he told you the truth. We just didn't hear the whole truth. And so, when I'm fasting, I come out of it and Jesus tells me I'm setting you into the realm of miracles. So, immediately, I understand what Jesus is saying. So, I hadn't preached out of the church for 18 months. I'd canceled all my meetings and so forth. And then, at that time, I knew that it was time for me to start preaching. And I went to a church, and uh, I preached to that church, and I said, "God is bringing you out of this denomination." Six months later, that man leads the denomination, builds a church, and has a great, thriving church over around Bucyrus, and God bless him and increase his whole congregation. The next thing I did, I went to the Philippines. I'd never been to the Philippines. But I did like the food at the Philippines. I did like the people. And I went there and I rented this field that would hold 50,000 people. Opening night, I had 2,000. That means it looks like a Bible study. I preached that night, 20 minutes. And then I gave, I prayed for the sick. I always pray for the sick before I give an altar call. And I prayed for the sick. And they started coming. Hundreds of them. I mean, I had a line like 45 minutes long. The blind, the deaf, people carried on cops, jumped up off the cops, and they got healed. That, it was so wonderful. The, the next night, it got so radical, they almost pushed me off the edge of the platform trying to get up to give their testimony. But this night, at the end of the testimony, I gave an altar call. And out of that 2,000 people, Every hand went up. When I saw it, I started weeping like a baby. And the Lord spoke to me on the edge of that platform. said, son, you and I can do this any place in the world. And I've taken God at his word. And I've been to more, more places that people didn't want to go to more places that people have failed, more places that people didn't think would be productive, and I've had great success. Hundreds of thousands come out, get saved, get healed, get ministered to. I've been brought into churches where the president has flew in just to meet me. Isn't that a kick in the head? Yeah. When I was in Uganda doing once a month all over the nation of Uganda, at some somebody else was paying for it, Eric and I would go. At the end of that, the president flew into a church because I was going to be there and he wanted to meet me. Many times we're taken and we meet dignitaries, we're picked up by princes, we're picked up by diplomats and god gives us great great honor and that is only by god if you know me you know it's got to be god and anyway after that i started ministering and going in fact before i hired eric i would just go to a country and i would end up at the airport I didn't even know who was coming. I didn't have a name, didn't have a picture, didn't have nothing. So I'd just stay there and outweighed everybody. Pretty soon somebody would come. They say, Are you Peter Dorsak? I said, Y'all, that's me, buddy. I'd get in and I'd go with them. I've stayed in every type of habitation and room that you can imagine. And I went with them and then God told me one day on my birthday, he said, I'm going to give you a birthday present. I said, oh, man, good deal. And uh, he said, I'm going to give you Eric Smith. I said, I met him. I don't want him. (laughs) Not really. So I said, God, he's working for Steve Hill. You don't know Steve Hill. He was a great evangelist for uh, three and a half years at uh, Pensacola, Florida, and just really helped change different parts of our nation. He worked for Brother Schambach. And if you didn't know Brother Shambach, that's one of the great losses of you. And Brother Shambach, he worked for Brother Shambach, and he worked for Steve Hill, taking the gospel all over the world. And I said, God, he's not going to come to work for me. So he said, well, I'm giving him to you. So I came out and I told Randy. I said, Randy, call Eric Smith and tell him God wants him to come to work for me. And he gave him to me as a a birthday present. Randy said, right. I said, no. Call him. I said, I'm telling you. So Eric Smith came to work for me. I don't know how how many years that been, Eric. 20 years ago, Eric came for me. Eric came. He took a third of his salary to come to work for me, a third. Eric relinquished about $180,000 a year to come to work for me. And then, after Eric worked for me a little while, Reinhard Bonnke called him. Said, "Eric, come on down and talk to me." Eric went down and talked to him. And uh, in the middle of that talk, Reinhard Bonnke said, "Why don't you come to work for me?" And he offered him like two hundred and sixty-three thousand dollars a year, plus. $200 per diem a day. That means for food, doing whatever you want to do, $200 a day. Well, Eric said, no. said, I can't. I work for Pastor Peter Dosick. And I told Eric, I said, as a pastor, I think it's a great opportunity. As an employee, I think it sucks. But thank God that God did not do that. And Eric has helped us and our church to take the gospel around the world. Around the world. And I could never thank him enough for the sacrifices that he has made. And I think after 19 years... I did just give him a raise. Well, really, I didn't give it to him. He negotiated it himself and uh, gave everybody a raise, counting him. I noticed mine didn't go up, but anyway. So Eric worked 19 years without one dime a raise. Well, why are you like that? I don't know. But thank God that God brought people like him. People like Kylan Boozer. People like Tim Lamaster, David Hewitt. Andrew and Ashley. God brought us people like that. But that all came out of a life of fasting. You thought I forgot my subject, didn't you? And I have been immensely blessed because of those types of breakthroughs. But God still wants to use people and God still wants you and I to have breakthroughs that nobody could arrange. And in Isaiah the 58th chapter and in verse 6 It says, is not this the fast that I have chosen? In other words, this is a God-ordained fast. It is defined by God, and it tells us what will happen. So as we look at the Old Testament and the New Testament, what we can do is break these scriptures open and discover how people got breakthroughs got free, got broke free from addictions and bondages and so forth, and how they recovered their families, their wealth, their health, and so that we can look at the old and the new, and we can bring it together, and we can see what we are supposed to do with fasting. And it says, is not this the fast that I have chosen to loose? Now watch what it says. This is a fast that I have chosen, and this is what I've chosen it to do, to loose the bands of wickedness. People have wickedness. Sometimes wickedness is interwoven in deep in our being, and it's hid in the heart of people. David said, God cleanse me from all hidden sins. God, if there is any iniquity in me, God, find it. And sometimes these hooks or strongholds of wickedness constantly abort righteousness and holiness. There can be lots of things that will induce it. It may be the lust of other things. It may be the lust of women. But these wickednesses, get on the inside of us, and sometimes they're more or deeper rooted than what just our faith can get us free from. But God has given us a way to use faith to break free that you and I can live holy lives in our minds, in our spirits, in our lifestyles, in our workplaces, and nothing could ever abort us or break that shield of righteousness. And sometimes we have to use things that are bigger or that we're not aware of or that we're not accustomed to, like fasting. But God shows it to us so that we can use it. Amen? And then it says this, to undo... The heavy burdens. Heavy burdens. Have you ever met people that are weighted down by problems? You know, sometimes I talk to people and I think, you know, the old song, if there, if it, what is that song? Uh, If there was no bad luck, I'd have no luck at all, or, or something like that. Anyway, there are people that live under stressful burdens it seemed like their whole life is a problem it's because they don't deal with them they keep sweeping them under the rug their children get accustomed to it pretty soon familiar spirits are connected to their generations You can't keep doing something all the time and not expect spirits not to use that for a place of abiding. Amen. All right. And then the uh, third thing that it says to do, and it lets the oppressed go free. This has to do with deep-seated generational illnesses illnesses. The oppressed means the work of the enemy. We know that Jesus came and healed all those that were oppressed of the enemy. Have you ever realized that right now they are now taking blood tests and doing a genealogy discoveries, and they're telling you what you're going to be sick with? You didn't know that. Oh, well, they are. And what's going to happen is insurance companies are not going to insure you for what they know you're going to have. And they do that by following your mother and father, grandfather and so forth pattern. Well, these things get rooted in us. We have never known that. But now we understand that you know what, there are certain genetic things that happen at birth that set us up to be ruled by the devil and to live short life. What is it now that they, uh, they test women and uh, they find that if they have cancer cells, they project that they're going to have cancer sometime in their life, so now they're giving them what? Vaccines or shots to turn that around. Well, I, I don't know that I would put all my pennies in that bag, but I'm telling you that they have that ability. And so, we can get set free of these things. Amen? There's no sickness greater than God. And then it says... In verse 6, it says, undo the heavy burdens and to let the oppressed go free and that you break every, every, every yoke. Yoke. You know, you and I are very addictive people. If you start eating popcorn three nights in a row, you're going to be eating popcorn just about every night that you can remember. You start stopping at a donut shop on the way to work. Oh, I'll just do that this once. I'll meet you there tomorrow. Yes, these things are true. Addicted to coffee and then addicted to uh, cappuccinos, uh, you know, the hillbilly kind, you know, that puts 12 pounds on you in a month. Those things are addictive natures that become yokes on men's lives. We get addicted to television, to television programs. We get addicted to certain people. Have you ever heard that, you know, a woman married to an alcoholic, could divorce an alcoholic and marry another one? It's like we're addicted to certain treatments. We need to break ourselves free of that. Amen? Hallelujah. Like Phyllis, she's always addicted to standing in the shadow of a good-looking man. <laughs> now, I would tell you that was me, but since I'm not that tall, you know that she couldn't. She'd have to stoop in my shadow. So I know she'd run around with somebody taller than I am. Sure, Phyllis. Hallelujah. We must remember that there are different ways to use our faith. And you and I must pursue the way that God tells us to pursue things in order to be victorious. Don't try to use one way of faith when that's not what God gave it to you for. Use it the way that God wants you to so that you can overcome, you can pursue, you can overtake, and you can see it all come back to you. And so, we as Christians are commanded to fast. And we are going to fast. But we have to engage that type of faith. If we don't, it will just lie there. We will have the answer, but we'll never see it. So let's use our faith. Start where you're at. If you've never fasted a full day, then fast a half a day. Then start enlarging it. Start exercising your faith. Do it once a week. Do it twice a week. Whatever it might be, But if you don't do anything, you'll be bound with the bondages that you're bound by now. So, we're going to discover this uh, maybe two or three weeks. But either way, you're going to learn how to fast. And you're going to assault the kingdom of darkness. You're going to bring out the captives you're going to break through into new dimensions of anointing and power. You're going to see victories. You're going to see doors open, doors close. You're going to see the blessing of God come up on you because only fasting can do certain things. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Let's stand to our feet. Hallelujah. I wouldn't ever want to perceive that everybody was ready to go to heaven that's why I want to give you an opportunity today to receive Jesus Christ as your personal savior if you've never received Jesus Christ as your personal savior your sins are still separating you from God now it's not God's desire that that happened his desire is what you've seen take place on the cross. That Jesus Christ came, he hung on a cross, he shed his blood for the washing away of your sins, and on the third, after he died for your sins, on the third day after being put in a tomb, he was raised from the dead to declare that God will forgive you now you can stay separated from God but in the end the only life it'll destroy is yours the Bible says we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God and I'm so happy that one day I got to hear somebody ask me would you like to receive Jesus as your personal savior That day changed my life, as it's here to change your life. Christianity is not hard. You just have to keep at it. It's not a requirement to be perfect. It's just a requirement to be faithful. So if you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, Maybe you once knew God and you just drifted away. Maybe one of the cords in your life got broken. But if you're here today and you're not ready to meet God, I can tell you emphatically that His coming is on the horizons of the time of man. And it will come quickly, millions, Will be filled with fear and agony, defeat, facing an eternal hell. But thank God that the gospel is going out and that opportunity is being given. Now, if you're here today and you say, Pastor, I'd like to receive Jesus Christ as my personal Savior, if that's you, I want you to simply lift your hand up in the air and say, Pastor, I want to receive Jesus Christ. I want to have eternal life. I want sin removed between me and God. I want things right. I want eternal life. Is there anybody? Let me know if somebody's got their hand up. over here. Come on, if that's you. Got your hand raised up. All right. Let's everybody pray this prayer with me. Say, Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus is your only begotten Son. And I believe that he died for my sins. And on the third day, God, you by your faith, raised him from the dead I now by faith declare that he is Lord of my life as he has died for me I will now live for him in Jesus name amen and amen praise God now if you prayed that prayer I'm going to be right up here would you please come up and tell me that you received Christ as your personal Savior. Praise the Lord. God is a good God. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, Father, I pronounce blessing upon every family that is here. Increase upon every business, God. Wisdom, God, in places of darkness. And God, a sure word in the time that people are facing. God, give them a word that will transform their season. God, lead them and guide them. Bring every prodigal child home. And God, strengthen their faith, enlarge their blessing, God, and encourage them in the way of the Lord. And God, I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you. Hallelujah.